You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Music and Lyrics, which came out in 2007 and was directed by Mark Lawrence. I would love to talk to you about maybe writing some lyrics. I'm just here to cater to the plants. Uh, that one is plastic. I met that guy from that band you used to like. He invited me to come see him perform tonight. Gary, I'm going out! Oh my God! Now girls, be honest. Are these pants too tight? I'll do it. A melody is like sex. Well, I so get that. But then, as you get to know the person, that's the lyrics, their story, Goodbye. who they are underneath. Hugh Grant, Drew Barrymore. Best time I've had in the last 15 years was sitting at that piano with you. That's wonderfully sensitive, especially from a man who wears such tight pants. It forces all the blood to my heart. It stars Hugh Grant, Drew Barrymore, Haley Bennett, Kristen Johnston, Brad Garrett, Asif Mandi, and Campbell Scott. The genre would be romantic comedy. Okay, first things first, this movie is positively adorable. Yes, I remember at first glance seeing the trailer for this movie about 15 plus years ago, and my first thought was, whoa, Hugh Grant is way too old to be paired up with Drew Barrymore. And for the record, the age difference is about 14 years. Okay, that's typical Hollywood iffy, not great, but at least it's not approaching the late career Connery or Nicholson levels of absurdity. For an example, see Entrapment. But then watching both Grant and Barrymore, both wearing sharp outfits, bantering, stammering, and generally just acting all rom-commy, all within this gorgeous upscale pre-COVID Manhattan setting, it all made sense. We are witnessing the titanic pairing of two movie stars who were basically genetically engineered to headline rom-coms. The timing is pretty spot on. They both know the movie they're in, and they're both having fun with it. And besides, age is but a number. <laughs> the movie's first hour or so is unassailably funny and sweet. Grant's Alex Fletcher is a very self-aware has-been pop star, which gives Grant the perfect opportunity to dish out biting line after biting line with the perfect level of drollness. No, the thing that really hurts is my upper gum. I think I may have impaled myself on a dinner roll. It's a very good thing they didn't have breadsticks. I could have lost an eye. Well, you should get some ice on that. Only if it's attached to some whiskey. And Drew Barrymore plays Sophie, a quirky former aspiring writer who now waters plants around Manhattan. <laughs> because this is a rom-com, and at least one of our main characters needs to have a very rom-com appropriate job just like that. No matter, because Drew just brings her typical quirky energy to this character. She has always just been an inherently likable actress with a gift for physical comedy. We see this off the bat as she just barrels through Alex's apartment, watering everything. Plants in rapid succession, including the fake ones. And wouldn't you know it, but she just happens to overhear him working on lyrics for a new song that he has been tasked to write for Cora, Cora Coleman, the world's biggest pop star, played deftly by Haley Bennett as kind of a pointed satire of Britney Spears, this taking place in the early 2000s. Alex only has a couple of days to write this song for Cora before she hopes to introduce it at her next sold-out concert at Madison Square Garden, where he might actually get to perform it on stage with her. 
So this is clearly the biggest potential break for Grant's Alex in years, though sadly writing lyrics has never been his strong suit. But guess who does seem to have a knack for such a thing? Sophie has only written prose before, but Alex convinces her to spend the next 30-plus hours hashing out this new song, which he's already crafted the melody for. Hence the title of the movie, Music and Lyrics. How clever. Get the best revenge. Write a hit song. Honestly, I don't think a pop song is going to impress Sloane Cates. You know what I would say to you and to Mr. Sloane Cates? I'd say that you can take all the novels in the world and not one of them will make you feel as good, as fast as I got sunshine on a cloudy day When it's cold outside, I got the month of May That is real poetry. Those are real poets. Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Bob Dylan, The Beatles. Okay, what if one of your heroes came up to you and said, you know, Smokey, what if he said, Alex Fletcher... You are a horrible songwriter. How would you well, react? Well, first of all, I do know Smokey a little bit, and he's far too nice a gentleman ever to say such a thing. Uh, Dylan might. Dylan would, actually. Okay. Dylan did. Dylan. The real meat of the movie is, of course, watching Alex and Sophie collaborate on this new song called, quote, Way Back Into Love, as we also see them charmingly find their way back there together as well. Grant and Barrymore have undeniable chemistry, mainly by virtue of really playing to each of their strengths. Grant's dithering drollness complements nicely with Barrymore's awkward bubbliness. And writer-director Mark Lawrence wisely keeps the narrative relatively focused on that song and their budding relationship through the songwriting process. That simple setup of creating music is just such fertile ground for comedy that it pretty much carries this story breezily through its first hour, before the story does hit a slight bump related to stuff from Sophie's past involving a famous author played by Campbell Scott who mentored her when she was younger, and did more, unfortunately. It leads to an incident at a restaurant, which is kind of funny, but ends up just feeling more awkward. And of course, this sets up the obligatory third-act conflict between our two leads. Honestly, up until this particular sequence, this film had been a near-perfect 70-minute rom-com. So the movie does stumble a bit with that conflict. It almost feels out of character, for Grant's Alex to say some of the cruel things that he says at this point, because he has just earned so much goodwill throughout the movie so far. Now, gratefully, the story retains its focus on the creation of that song and the charms of both leads, along with some of the music, which is undeniably catchy, carrying us through to a genuinely touching, happy ending. Now, Lawrence really hasn't directed much else besides this, other than a couple of forgettable rom-coms, also starring Hugh Grant. And before this, Lawrence's most famous credit was probably writing the wonderful Miss Congeniality just a few years prior. That film also had a deceptively simple premise, which served as a launching point for a steady stream of character-based laughs, which hit way more than they missed. And that film's infectious energy, along with a great comedic performance from star Sandra Bullock, carries over to this film. Music and lyrics is never trying to reinvent the wheel, but it makes good use of its admittedly appealing stars, who deliver indelibly sweet exchanges like the following. Listen, you are amazing tonight. As were you. The few syllables you got out were absolutely devastating. Does this feel any better? It would if it was on the right side. And that brings me to the categories, starting with the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Well, just to say it right off the bat, the movie just kicks off perfectly, placing the audience at just the right level of meta-giddiness as we see the full music video of Pop Goes My Heart by 80s band Pop, 
playing during the opening credits. It's really good. And they also play it again during the end credits as well. You have Hugh Grant with a flock of seagulls haircut, clad in puffy white shirt over leather pants, co-singing this ridiculously catchy approximation, and it is catchy, of an 80s pop song, all within a spot-on approximation of your typical 80s pop video. With all of the trimmings, including seeing every member of the band just get in on the dramatizations, including, of course, that one not-quite-so-camera-ready member of the band, usually the drummer, sorry, usually is, who's awkwardly trying to keep up with the other band members. Hey, at least he's got his sticks with him, right? As for the song itself... You've shown to me that my The next category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film, because music is essential to film, especially when music is actually part of the title. Amazingly, Pop Goes My Heart was actually sung by Hugh Grant himself. I was kind of surprised to find this out. And he acquits himself well. His mild vocals fit right alongside with the bouncy synth beats. It's actually quite the catchy song. Along those lines, this song actually ties for this category with the even more catchy ballad which our heroes Alex and Sophie spend much of their runtime crafting together, and that would be Way Back Into Love. And a lovely ballad it is. It's actually initially sung by both Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore in a nice scene of them just rehearsing it before frantically racing to a nearby heliport in Manhattan to bring the demo CD to Cora so that she could check it out. It's a fun scene. Just a little bit louder, because this song is intended for humans, okay? Way back into love, take two. I've been living with a shadow overhead I've been sleeping with a cloud above my bed I've been lonely for so long Trapped in the past, I just can't seem to move on I've been hiding all my hopes and dreams away just in case I ever need them again Someday I've been setting aside time To clear a little space in the corners of my mind And later on in the movie, for the climax, we actually hear a more polished version of this duet at Cora's climactic Madison Square Garden concert, this time sung by Hugh Grant and Haley Bennett, who herself has a nice voice. All I Just such a sweet song with such a simple melody running throughout. Now, who actually wrote it in real life? 
Well, that would be Adam Schlesinger, who was the bassist and main songwriter for pop-punk band Fountains of Wayne, who were best known for their catchy pop single, Stacy's Mom, from 2003. However, while playing with them, Schlesinger also built a parallel career crafting diegetic pop songs for movies. Diegetic meaning that these are songs actually performed by characters within the movie. And researching this, imagine my surprise to find out that Schlesinger also co-wrote and received an Oscar nomination for what is likely one of the best diegetic needle drops I have ever heard in a movie. That catchy pop single from the fictional band The Wonders, the title track for That Thing You Do, which came out in 96. Wow, so this guy was apparently quite the songwriter. That's an impressive track record. Sadly, Schlesinger passed away just two years ago at the age of 52 in New York, resulting from complications from COVID-19. Yep, he was actually one of the earliest casualties from the beginning of this pandemic, and he wasn't even that old. By all accounts, he was also in relatively good health before contracting the virus, just two weeks before his untimely death. Just sad. R.I.P. to a truly talented musician, leaving a legacy of some truly lovely songs. And that brings me to the next category, which would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Now included in the supporting cast are a couple of fun supporting performances from two unusually tall co-stars who were more known for their work on hit 90s sitcoms. Kristen Johnston from Third Rock from the Sun. She steals most of her scenes playing Sophie's older, brassy sister. While Everybody Loves Raymond's Brad Garrett provides some good support as Alex's manager. They both have good back and forth with their respective stars, and I can't really say they're wasted in this movie. Brad Garrett has one of those deep, booming voices, and has clearly carved a niche for himself doing voice work in animated films, most famously as the voice of the famous chef Gusteau in the Pixar animated classic Ratatouille, which is one of my personal favorites. But guess how many live-action roles that Brad Garrett has played in feature films since this movie came out 15 years ago? Zero. As someone who loved him on Everybody Loves Raymond, I love that show, and watching him steal his share of scenes as Robert, Ray's beleaguered older brother, I would say that he certainly has screen presence. Now, Kristen Johnston has done her share of feature films since this came out, but guess where most of them have come from? Yep, Hallmark. She almost always plays a quirky side character with one scene in cutesy TV rom-coms with cutesy titles like The Wedding Year or Swiped or For the Love of George. Okay, to be fair, she did have a supporting role in one major Hollywood comedy since this movie came out. But, well, the movie was Bride Wars. We'll just leave it at that. Johnston did win two Emmys for her work as Sally, the young alien in a woman's body on Third Rock from the Sun. And she was just a comedic force on that show, even holding her own with the likes of John Lithgow. No small feat. Point being, for both of these actors... Mark Lawrence, the director, saw something special in both of them, and it paid off in music and lyrics. How's dinner? Really nice. Oh, you know, it's really hard to enjoy dinner when you run a weight loss center. If I get fat, there goes my fiscal year. Okay, you're not fat. Well, you're not about to open a branch in Boca, but thank you, sweetie. So, how'd everything go here? Oh, yeah, good, great. The kids uh, ate and went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, it, they're really bad children. Okay, okay, everybody goes to bed. I'm sending your father in there. Whoa, we're so scared. <laughs> and then I'm coming in. I'll just go check to make sure they're still breathing. 
I wish both of them had more opportunities since then. And that brings me to the final category. That would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Who else could it be other than our two leads, Hugh and Drew? It's true. In the hands of lesser comedic talents, this material just wouldn't sing, pun intended, like it does with these guys. And can I just say how gratifying it was to rewatch this and to enjoy it so much as a nice antidote to the epic rom-com which Hugh Grant co-starred in just a few years prior, Love Actually. Yes, I did that review. Check it out. The most obvious remedy for this film versus that dreary misfire? Within this kind of genre, really, keep it simple and straightforward. There's one main plot and only about a half dozen major characters, with the bulk of our screen time watching our two romantic leads just simply getting to know each other. This is how you do it. I I loved getting to know you on our movie, Music and Lyrics, and it's just one of my very favorite movies, and it makes me so happy. It was a good movie. It was a happy movie. It was a I agree with you. I Because I, I, I love to hate the films I've been in, and I do hate some of them. But I, Music and Lyrics... It's impossible to hate. We're so good in it and so charming. My rating for music and lyrics would be four stars out of five. <laughs> music and lyrics came out 15 years ago, right around Valentine's Day. It received solid reviews, made pretty good money, with around $150 million worldwide on a roughly $40 million budget. I wondered why it didn't have as much of a shelf life, or even why none of the music received awards attention later that year. And then I realized why. This came out just a few months before the acclaimed romantic musical Once, which was a more serious but also more emotional version of a similar story. The movie Once did receive massive acclaim. It's built up quite a shelf life since 07, quite a following. And it did actually win the Oscar, deservedly, for Best Original Song that year. Great, beautiful song called Falling Slowly. Put simply, Once becoming an international phenomenon, stole any thunder that this movie, Music and Lyrics, might have had. And to be fair, Once is probably a better movie overall. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy both of them. And if you're looking for Music and Lyrics, it's currently streaming on Hoopla and Tubi. And that ends another lyrical review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.